Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ETB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In honor of Padmavant's release, we are discussing a pair of epic romances. First up, Santosh Sivan casts Shah Rukh Khan as the great emperor Ashok and Karina Kapoor as a fiery princess in 2001's Ashok. Then Ashutosh Kawarakar chronicles the courtship of Mughal Emperor Akbar, played by Rithik Roshan, and Rajput Princess Joda, played by Ashwarya Rai, in 2008's Joda Akbar. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Matt! Yes? I have exciting news! What? While I was preparing this episode, yeah. um, I hopped on the the iTunes page for Bollywood is for Lovers um, in various countries, and we are currently third in India. Wow. We are also on the new and noteworthy page. This is, this is exciting. This is both new and noteworthy. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I, I mean, we... We'd been making it into the top 100, but number three? Yeah, that's fantastic. If you're a new listener, uh, hi, how are you? (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening to our silly show. And and thank you so much to to all of our listeners uh, who, you know, have been there since the beginning or, you know, hopped on recently or whenever you started listening to the show. Just thank you so much. It means a lot to us and it's it's very humbling you know to see yeah. our little kind of um ms paint photoshopped <laughs> avatar uh, i'm sorry <laughs> that was adobe photoshop 6 i think <laughs> okay whatever it turns into before creative cloud because we didn't want to pay for creative cloud at work so you know the student version by the way well it's very humbling to see our little our little homemade avatar um, you know, at number three, <laughs> <laughs> the photo we took ourselves. Yes, that's true. Uh, Do you know what else is new and noteworthy? What this cocktail you just made? Yeah. Okay. So I decided I wanted to make some biffle cocktails. This could be the signature podcast cocktail. Well, here it is. Maybe not. I don't know if this worked out. So I decided I wanted to make some biffle cocktails. You and yeah. I love cocktails, and I thought it'd be fun to take some classic cocktail recipes and put like a Bollywood twist on them. Those so. of you in a dry province, we're sorry, but it's a cocktail hour. Yeah. So I've made a version of a penicillin. Uh, we'll see how it and is. A, a penicillin is kind of like a classic, but also like new cocktail. It's good. It's been going yeah. for about 10, 15 years. Yeah. And so it's made with scotch and honey syrup, ginger syrup, uh, and lemon juice. It's the cure for what ails you. So I've made a penicillin that I've used ginger syrup and honey syrup, mm-hmm. but I've replaced some of the lemon juice with tamarind because mm-hmm. uh, tamarind is also sour. Now, I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> and you're using Amrut scotch that... Uh, yes. um Podcast guest uh, Devin brought on. Yeah, Devin Bruce. Yeah, which is an Indian Scotch. Um, I've also rimmed the glass with um, some chaat masala. So, in honor of India and colonialism, why don't we call this a quinine? A quinine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So that goes I, with gin, but you know that you know it's a, it's a medicine. Yeah, I can already tell that I should make a tamarind syrup. Instead of just throwing straight tamarind in the cocktail shaper, shaker, I had to double strain this. That was just a joke. <laughs> Please do not think we're colonialists. But but I'm glad you come up with a name. Okay, so now we're going to taste it to, to celebrate, yeah. uh, you know, our our recent rise in India. To not seeing Padmavit yet. 
Oh, I kind of like it. It's sour, but I like it. Interesting. Yeah. It almost like it. It almost tastes like you invented a new liqueur. <laughs> See, I think it will be better um, if I make a tamarind syrup. Mm-hmm. And also, maybe it needs a bit more sweetness, a bit more of the the ginger and honey syrup. I need to play with the ratios a bit. You kind of get the scotch on the back end. I think the chat masala is a little distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was so excited to rim the glass with that. But it's it's interesting. I, I think this the the sort of cumin-y smell of the chat masala is getting in the way of the scotch smell. Mm-hmm. I, I drink this. I drink it again. Mm-hmm. This this has promise. I think I can turn this into something good. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some. Other I think stuff. I could drink a couple more of these. <laughs> I got some other stuff to play with too, including some turmeric soda and some cardamom bitters. So. Yeah, stay tuned to uh, my Instagram for uh, Biffle Cocktails. I'm very excited about it. And you have to name them. So this is named the Quinine? This is the Quinine. Perfect. Uh, You know, episode one of the Biffle Cocktail Hour. (laughs) Okay, Matt, before we get to um, the main event, the Filmware Awards came out. Oh, yeah. Now, here in the West... We're used to quite a long campaign period. Used to... Um, is a good word for annoyed by. Yes. Sure. So I'll speak mostly about the Academy Awards because they're the most prominent, um, though they are an American awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here in Canada, um, but no one, I hate to we say it, no ge- one cares about the Canadian Screen Awards. Yeah, they used to be called the Genies, right? But yeah. now they're the Canadian Screen Awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they combined with the Gemini yeah, my, my arch nemesis, Xavier Dolan, usually dominates these. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have like floppy Xavier Dolan hair today. I no, I don't. Anyway, uh. um, but the nominations and, for the Film Fair Awards and the awards were out within like a week. Mm-hmm. So there really wasn't that much time to kind of process and think about the nominations. Well, there are a bunch of different award ceremonies. They kind of kind of stack them in once, once all the films are done for the year. Yeah, and I will say, like, we are aware of, you know, kind of a lot of the criticism of the Film for Awards, that they are corrupt, that people buy their awards, that it's just a popularity contest. Um, I don't have enough knowledge of the Indian award system uh, to, to to back that up. And um, if people are worried about buying awards, I mean, have you seen the Oscars? I mean, Well, and that's what I was yeah. going to say. Like, certainly I think, like, what you see with the Z Cinema Awards and other ones like those, it, it, they do very much seem like a popularity contest. The Filmfare Awards, well, I wouldn't say that I know for a fact they have a lot of integrity. They seem to have more integrity. And, like, arguably this year's Oscars is the first one without, in a long time, without, like, Miramax yeah. trying to dominate. So Or Weinstein, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Anyways, take, always take any of these award ceremonies with a grain of salt. I say the same thing about the BAFTAs and the Oscars. I love awards, and I love award ceremonies. I you like the, the dresses? Yeah. I do. I like the dresses. I like the pageantry of it. And I just like celebrating achievement in film. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it's the one time of the year when your normal person will be like, oh... That seems like an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. That isn't like a summer blockbuster. They'll go see something that's a little bit, you know, out of the ordinary. And in addition to the Filmfare Awards, there are the National Film Awards, which are for all Indian cinema. The mm-hmm. Filmfare Awards are for Hindi cinema. You, you got to so, think that Bahubali is going to do well at the national ones, right? Um, I guess we'll see. There's a lot of interesting categories at the National Film Awards, and also they have regional categories. So they mm. have, you know, Best Marathi Film, Best Hindi Film, Best Malayalam Film, mm. etc. Okay, so so what do you want to hear first, Matt? 
Wait, what start category from the do you top. start? You want to start with best film? Yeah. Okay, so the nominees for best film are Badrinath Kitalhania, Barely Key Barfi, Secret Superstar, Hindi Medium, and Toilet Egg from Katha. And it went to? It went to Badrinath, didn't it? No, it went to Hindi Medium. Oh, interesting. So I haven't actually yeah. seen that one, but I've heard it's quite good from you. Yeah, I really, really like Hindi Medium. Um, I think that's a great choice. It's it's a different film. It's not a flashy film. You know, last year I went to Dongal, and in many previous years I feel like it's gone to some rather flashy big films. Mm-hmm. Hindi Medium is quite a small, quiet movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, about the socioeconomic divide in India. So it's it's interesting to see it go over to Hindi Medium. It's a real underdog story, huh? Yeah. Uh, best director, we have Adavate Chandan for Secret Superstar, Ashwini Ayer Tawari for Barely Key Barfi, Sakit Chaudhary for Hindi Medium, Sashank Kaitan for Badrin of Kilohania, and Sri Narayan Singh for Toilet Ek Pramakatha. Which one of those was the best directed? Um, uh... Does that take into account like musical sequences and the shooting of, or is that its separate category? Uh, because there's a whole other set of direction that goes into that, right? Yeah, and there are there are like in the technical awards you do have best choreography, hmm. um, but I mean this is just for best director. Let's say toilet. It went to Ashwini Ayer Tawari for Barely Key Barfi. Mm. Notably, she won Best Debut Director last year, and her husband won Best Director for Dangal. Hmm. Uh, so it's great to see her win Best Director this year. A new filmy dynasty. Yeah. We'll just finish off the, the Best Actor and Best Actress categories. Um, so Best Actor, Akshay Kumar for Toilet Ek Katha, Ayushman Karana for Sh- Shab Mangal Sadvan. Irfan Khan for Handy Medium, Rithik Roshan for Kabil, Shahrukh Khan for Rais, and Varun Dhawan for Badrinath Kitalhania. This one's got to go to Akshay, right? Irfan Khan for Handy Medium, which oh. well, to he's, be he's fair, you haven't pretty, seen. But he's always pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, best Actress, Alia Bhatt for Badrinath Kitalhania, Bhumi Pednikar for Shab Mangal Saman, Saba Kumar for Handy Medium, Vidya Balan for Tamari Sulu, Sri Devi for Mom, Zyra Wasim for Secret Superstar. This one's got to go to Sri Devi. Vidya Balan for Tamari Sulu. Really? A movie yeah. that didn't really get a lot of praise. You know, it did. It did. I wasn't a fan of it. Um, and and, and, I, and I think a lot of our friends weren't fans of it. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of critics really liked it. And it, it you know, and people love Vidya Balan. And you can't say, I mean, Vidya Balan's an amazing actress. I mean, a female version of Frasier is a really good idea. So, <laughs> uh, Best Supporting Actor went to Raj Kumar Rao for Barely Keep Our Feet. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actress went to Meher Vish for Secret Superstar. Well-deserved. Okay, um, here's a question. Where's Lipstick Under My Burka in all this? Well, Ratnapathak Shah was nominated for Lipstick Under My Burka. For yeah, Best she was fantastic. Actor. And Tiltotama Shome was nominated for A Death in the Ganj. But notably, Lipstick Under My Burka, A Death in the Ganj and Newton are not nominated in a lot of the kind of top tier awards. Hmm. They do receive a lot of below the line nominations. Um, so Pritam won Best Music Director for Jagga Jasus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he had, he, he had to make like twice as much music as normal. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going to some of the below the line awards, Amit V. Masukar won Best Story for Newton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, best original story? Yeah. 
they don't they don't they don't separate between original and adapted. I guess there there aren't often very many adaptations, though, is the thing. Yeah. So yeah. Well, there are, but they aren't always honest about it. <laughs> Best under the table adaptation. Um, notably. Uh, Amit Joshi uh, was nominated for Trapped for Best Story as well. That um, would, you know, I would say Best Actor for Rajkumar Rao because he's like the only one on screen for most of it. He didn't get a nomination yeah. for Best Actor for Newton or Trapped. Mm. Uh, and direction on that film was really good right? too. Right? Best Screenplay went to Shab Hashish Bhutiani um, and Mukti Bhawan. Oh, yeah. oh, for Mukti Bhawan. Sorry. I a film I haven't heard of. That got that got some good reviews. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think that came out here. Yeah, Trapped did get best editing. Nitin Bade picked that up. Um, a Death in the Gunge was now also nominated, as was a Newton for editing. For editing, yeah, A Death in the Gunge won best cinematography. Hmm, I, um, I can see that. Daddy was also nominated, as well as Newton. Mm-hmm. Jaga Jasus won for best choreography. I should hope so. Daddy won for best production design. That went to Parul Sound. Well, there was uh, a, yeah, they did a really good job on like the seventies, eighties sort of nightclubs and clothes and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that makes. Sense. And this is a pretty good category. The other nominees were Raiz, A, De- a Death in the Gunge, and Rangu. So all historical uh, stories. Yeah. Trapped won for best sound design. Um, best costume design went to A Death in the Gunge. So really? It, over Rangoon? It not, Rangoon was nominated, as was Daddy. Huh. I, yeah, I figure that um, that Saifali Khan's crazy arm thing should have been worth, you know, some costume design awards. Yeah. So I do find it interesting that none of the films that were nominated for Best Picture were nominated for Best Story, Best Editing... <laughs> Best cinematography, best production design, best sound design. Like, that just seems so strange. I can't imagine that happening at the Academy Awards. Yeah, usually you get something like, what, Shape of Water is up for 13 awards. Yeah. The, the top is 14, right? La La Land was up for 14. Uh-huh, or The Rings, probably. Like yeah, Titanic. Mm-hmm. Those sort of guys do get a ton of, you know, below-the-line awards, as you say. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, Secret Superstar did get a nomination for Best Screenplay. Hmm. Um, but otherwise, none of the other nominees for Best Film. So I think that does kind of make the awards look a little suspect. Um, so interestingly, Jagajasus and Secret Superstar shared the most nominations with 10. And Jagajasus won four awards. Nice. <laughs> the, film, uh, the film that everyone hated. Won four awards. Secret Superstar won three. A Death in the Gudge won three. Trapped won three. Barely Cooper we got two. As Good. did Hindi Medium and Newton. Those are all great movies. That makes me happy. It did, it makes me happy too. It is nice to see. I mean, again, Jagger Justice mostly won for technical awards for the music and the choreography. It was very like hard that. to put together. But I mean, that movie's yeah, great. That's a very um, impressive, uh, you know, production. Yeah. Uh, best debut director went to Kankana Sancharma for Death on the Gunge. Nice. Well deserved. And the Critics Awards, which is something I really like about the Filmfare Awards. They have the awards, but then the critics also get to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, best film went to Newton, um, Amit B. Massacar. These are presumably the, the people who picked it for the Oscar nom, too. Um, th- those might be different committees. I don't mm-hmm. think the critics are involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nominees there were Death on the Gunge, Lipstick on a Burka, Muki Mukti Bawan. And Trapped. Mm, yeah, so you're more art house type pictures. Yeah. Best Actor went to Raj Kumar Rao for Trapped. Yes. He was also nominated for Newton. Nice. 
Uh, as was what about was he nominated for Rapta as well for <laughs> no no okay uh, as was Irfan Khan for Hindi Medium Renvir Kapoor for Jagat Jasus yay and uh, Vikrant Massey for Death in the Gunj hmm. and lastly Best Actress went to Zyra Wassam for Secret Superstar I think she's I mean she won the National Film Award mm-hmm. um, for Dangal she's I mean, she is one to watch. She is a young actress with a lot of talent. So that means the... And she beat out Kangana Ranawit for Rangoon, Sri Devi for Mom, Swara Baskar for Anarkali of Ara, and Video Balan for Tamhari Sulu. So that means that the best new director was won by a woman two times in a row. Yeah. Hmm. That would never happen in Hollywood. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, interesting stuff. Uh, like I said, take it all with a grain of salt, uh, but... You know, I thought those were uh, worth sharing, especially on the heels of our year-end review episode. That Which we you put should out all check out now. Ago. All right, but moving on to uh, the topic of today. We're talking about epics. Padmavat has finally been released, Matt. It's undergone a name change. It was formerly known as Padmavati, but it is out in theaters now. You can go see it unless you live in a state that has banned it. In which case, move. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, not everyone has that, that. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Not everyone is able to. Um, it's had a complicated critical reaction. Yeah. Um, Nowhere near the accolades of Bajorah. No. Um, but despite that, it is smashing at the Indian box office, and it's currently number 10 at the North American box office, and it's beating records in Australia set by previous uh, Hindi releases. It, it's been pretty busy around here. The, the films that we're going to talk about today are rather long. And we've been hit with, what, like three feet of snow yeah. over the weekend? Like, And we've the, been the watching temperatures it. have dropped to minus 20 degrees Celsius. Like, We can't make it to the movie theater this weekend. Hopefully next weekend. Yeah, you're headed out on a uh, work trip, too. So, unfortunately, we won't be able to discuss Padmabad this episode, but... We're planning on releasing a special supplemental episode in a week focusing solely on Padvabat and our reactions to it. Yeah, I'll see if I can catch it in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so, look for that. Moving on. We're discussing epics mm-hmm. uh, in this episode, Matt. Now, we've discussed a few epics before. Lagan, Mogaliasm. It's a genre that is alive and well in Bollywood, whereas it's kind of fallen out of fashion here in the West. Especially like your swords and sandals type epics, which mm-hmm. dominated Hollywood in the 50s. Mm-hmm. as kind of a, um, a way to draw people away from TV, which could only do small scale stories. The Hollywood studios tried to do these big epic stories. Mm-hmm. Ben Hur, how the West was won, all these type of things. Well, and often because they were based on historical stories or biblical stories, you could kind of get away with more. Ben Hur, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. You could kind of show more sex and violence. Yeah, um, the Hayes Code would kind of allow it because oh, it's the Bible or oh, it's history. Yeah, obviously this guy had like a hundred wives. <laughs> um, so the epic is a genre. It is different from a period drama or an adventure film, though... Why? There are some historical epics, which are period pieces, and there are some adventure epics. Wouldn't most epics be historical dramas as well? Well, not necessarily, because you have films like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings that are very much kind of adventure epics that are obviously not based on any sort of historical narrative, or Avatar. But most of them are. 
A lot of them are. Yes, a lot are. Um, they're different because um, Epic Epic is defined by its essentially by its scope and ambition. They are large scale sweeping films that are full of spectacle. They typically focus on the heroic character and often deal with war or societal conflict, whether or not that's based on um, history or completely made up. Game of Thrones is an epic TV series. Yeah. Um, It has roots in poetry, um, specifically pieces like Gilgamesh and The Odyssey. Mm -hmm. Um, So examples would include Ben-Hur, Kagamusha, Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia, A Gear Wrath of God, and as I mentioned, Star Wars. Gandhi? Yeah, Gandhi, I, w- I, would, I would certainly say. So if you had a sufficiently heroic and amazing life, the film of it could be considered an epic. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to have that scope. You have to have like a large cast, um, kind of beautiful and jaw-dropping vistas, you know, kind of with the, the cinematography and the landscapes. Um, a lot of extras, heightened emotions, and again, that that societal conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, the the drama being portrayed has implications for the entire diegetic world. Sure, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, uh, do you have a favorite epic, Matt? Mm, I mean, Seven Samurai is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune, I would say. One of my favorites. I was going to go with Dune. <laughs> yeah, you were going to go with Dune as I well. I was going to go with Dune. Um, I mean, of Indian stuff, Lagan was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Azam, which we're going to talk about the prequel to now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Um, would you consider Shole an epic? No. No? No. It's more of a Western slash adventure? Exactly. Hmm. I, I would not consider Shole an epic, personally. Magnificent Seven. It's a it's a hard genre to define, and it's really fallen out of fashion. It's defined by scale. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Um, and again, that that focus on the the central heroic figure. What about There Will Be Blood? No. Why? I don't. I don't really think There Will Be Blood counts as an epic. I don't know. It's it's based on an Upton Sinclair novel. It's about you know the. Changing of times in the early 20th century. Fine. There will be blood. Yay! <laughs> you have convinced me. All right, Matt. Why don't you introduce us to kids our love, first... Kids love Upton Sinclair. <laughs> why don't you introduce us to our first epic, Ashok? Sure. So Ashok came out in 2001. It was directed by Santosh Sivan, who is a real Renaissance man type. Mm-hmm. Cinematographer, director, producer. I think he even wrote this, didn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the star- film features Shah Rukh Khan, Karina Kapoor, Ajit Kumar, Danny Dezongpa, Rahul Dev, Rishita Bhatt, and Suraj Balaji. So it details the early life of Emperor Ashok of the Mauryan dynasty, and he was the ruler of India, or at least a big chunk of it, during the 3rd century BCE. So that would be from 268 to 232. He's an important figure in Buddhist uh, teachings. Mm -hmm. As after the events of the film, he goes on to spread the teachings of Buddha and expand that religion's reach across the globe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So speaking to the epic qualities of the film, there were (laughs) 6,000 extras, hundreds of elephants, 
And unlike epics you see nowadays, uh, there was a minimal use of special effects. Mm-hmm. No CGI on the crowds, which is something that someone like Sanji Lil Bonsali cannot say. Yeah, we'll, we will talk about the CGI in Padmaban. <laughs> yeah, um, that was one of the main downsides for me on Bajra Mastani. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just hire the Indian Army or whatever. Do what they do in Russia. Get Do what they do in China, too. Just get a ton of people putting yeah. in costumes. Um, uh, but Ashok screened at the Venice Film Festival at TIFF, did okay at the box office, but was critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Western Festival screenings. There were comparisons to Gl- Gladiator and Braveheart, two other mm-hmm. epic films, as well as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, I guess for all the jumping over swords and stuff. <laughs> uh, and it won Filmfare Awards for Best Cinematography and was nominated for Best Film, Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Playback Singer Female. So the it's it's about a Emperor Ashok who um ascends to the head of the Mauryan dynasty in opposition to his stepbrother mm-hmm. who is Sushima. And he finds himself having to leave the court for a little while just so that the heat dies down basically with this conflict against his half brother. So he goes on the road and runs into a princess and a prince on the run. This would be Karina Kapoor and Suraj Balaji. Mm-hmm. And they have been kicked out of their kingdom, which is also a democracy somehow. I'm s- still a little bit confused as to how that works, but they're kind and of on the run. is supposedly historically inaccurate. <laughs> yep, that makes sense because it it's weird. They are a democracy that also has a princess. Yeah. They also have kind of a general guy played by Rahul Dev, who is watching them. And this is where I... It reminded me a lot of, like, the Hidden Fortress, where you'll have mm-hmm. a secret princess, mm-hmm. a general that's helping her out, and some hangers-on. But anyway, Shah Rukh Khan, as one is wont to do, is falls in love with Karina Kapoor, who is potentially the best looking I've ever seen her in any movie. Yeah, she's fantastic. She must have done a lot of working out to get into fighting form. Um, and, yeah, he gets married to her... He says he's going to come back, help her out, get the kingdom back. But when he gets back uh, to his own kingdom, he has to basically kill his uh, his uh, stepbrother mm-hmm. and take over. And he turns evil. Yeah. Once he... Very evil. He, he finds out that Karina Kapoor... He thinks that she's died. Yeah. And he goes nuts. He starts conquering everybody, pillaging, cutting off people's heads... Uh, only his buddy Virat, played by Danny Denzampa, is kind of the voice of reason. But yeah, he goes nuts, and this all culminates in a battle between his king, his kingdom, and the kingdom of uh, Karina Kapoor's people. And I won't tell you what happens, but uh, Kalinga. Yeah, Kalinga. It's uh, it's kind of it's an exciting uh, uh, conflict, and you get some cool battle tactics. Lots of dudes get rocked mm-hmm. by swords. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. So going into this film, I didn't have a lot of expectations. Um, some some friends of the show had really recommended the film to us, really said that they liked it. Um, notably, our past guest, Piyush Patel, is a big fan of Santosh Sivan as a cinematographer, as we discussed his work in Ravan mm-hmm. and Dulce. And so we were interested to kind of, you know, check out this directorial work from him. And I was... really taken away with this film. It really kind of wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. It is not kind of your your straightforward 
epic. It's people it, standing around having speeches about how great the country is. That or, kind of thing. or again, like this really kind of heroic and just central figure. Shah Rukh Khan's Ashok is a very complicated character. Yeah, um, who goes like fully to the dark side. He turns into Conan. Yeah, and that was really, really fascinating. I also think Santosh Devan's um, cinematography and directing here was remarkable and like nothing I've ever seen in Bollywood. I think your your comparisons to Kurosawa are very apt. Um, I notice a strong kind of uh, Kurosawa influence, whether intentional or unintentional. Definitely in the story. Having a secret swordsman go find a princess and try and restore her to power, that's the sort of thing that would happen in a Kurosawa movie. But I think also in in the the way that certain scenes were staged and, and kind of shot composition, again, also reminded me of Kurosawa, especially when you get to the battles, which become extremely impressionistic. Yeah, there's a lot of... Kind of slow motion flips and mm-hmm. maybe seeing a bunch of flags instead of people. That's why I'm somewhat surprised that there were so many extras involved because I thought it was a little bit done on the cheap. It was done on the cheap. And so those extras were not like in every shot or in every scene. Yeah. And so... I thought they were shooting around the fact that they didn't have that many people. Yeah. And I think and I think in a lot of scenes there are. They are. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, like this, this wasn't made... This and Jodo Akbar were actually both kind of made... Um, a lot more cheaply than you would expect. Hmm. And so they do a lot with what they have. And I think you especially see that in in Ashok and in these battle scenes where, again, like things become extremely impressionistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved his musical sequences here. And I feel like we get a good number of them. That's something I'm going to complain about later on. But if you have an almost three-hour film, I want, like, more than three musical sequences. And I can't remember how many we get here, but it's an adequate amount. There's like five or six, yeah. yeah. And they're actual dance sequences, too, whereas Joda Akbar, they're kind of performing for the emperor. It's not so much him yeah. dancing at all. I don't think he... I don't think Rithik Roshan, the best dancer in Bollywood, mm-hmm. dances some total in that film. Because the relationship between uh, Ashok and... Karina, yeah, Karina Kapoor's Karaki here is really developed in a lot of these kind of these dance sequences. And so yep. you have one where he kind of sees her and, and he's falling for her. And so it's a bit of kind of, um, it's a bit of an item number, but, but not quite, but it's certainly yeah. about her beauty and her, um, personality and how attractive that she is. Graceful, um, good at fighting. That yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, and then there's this other beautiful one when she's dancing on rafts with other women. And those aren't the only song sequences, but those are the ones that really stick out, stood out the most to me. Yeah, we we picked uh, Roshni Say for our interval song, and that is once they've uh, been separated. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that one, in addition to kind of a spiral camera move that reminds me of sort of a 90s music video, yeah. and also of definitely Dilse and Ravan, it makes sense that he was working on those. But it, a lot of the film is played backwards, yeah. almost like like a David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like so water is being dropped on them, but it's like evaporating off of them. Yeah. And you don't really see their lips that much, but you do at some points. And it looks like they must have been like talking backwards in order to hit the, like <laughs> to make it sound like they were singing forwards. Yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. And I think you would expect kind of all of these elements to, I don't know, make a muddled mess. But it really doesn't. It really comes together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partly because of the strength of 
not just the filmmaking, but the the narrative that mm-hmm. that that he's chosen to work with. Yeah. You know, it is somewhat counterintuitive to make a rather violent film um, about a man who was famous for you know preaching nonviolence. People were very <laughs> forgiving back then because he is lopping off heads, cutting arms off. Uh, late in the film, he's wandering around, falls into a big pool of blood full of severed heads and hands and stuff. But yeah, he you know he devoted him entirely he devoted himself entirely to Buddhism and uh, yeah helped eventually. Spread it. But <laughs> damn. Yeah, and I I guess like it kind of has that that problem that uh, Francois Truffaut um, that yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned before. If not in this podcast, then then my other one because I quote this all the time, um, where it's somewhat impossible to make an anti-war film. Because war is kind of inherently exciting to put on screen, yeah. And so I like how he he leans into that, and he's just like, okay, you know, like we're going to show his early life and kind of the point that he gets to in order to kind of what what eventually changes his life. Yeah, it's it's sort of like if the villain from Bahubali was the main character of a movie. Yeah, just being obsessed with a woman having. You know, infinite power at your command. Yeah. Bahubali, another epic. Yes, Bahubali. <laughs> That's not historical. Bahubali, beginning and conclusion. Mm-hmm. Full epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found that really, really interesting and really refreshing. Again, because so much of this film, he is so angry and he's so, and he does horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. And yet, the emotional journey that the film takes you on. Does redeem him in the end. I don't know if it quite nails him, you know, doing a reverse heel turn at the end and turning good again. It's, you know, he's gone down a pretty dark path by the last 10 minutes of this movie. But I think, like, the the arc of how, like, a a good man becomes corrupt, Mm -hmm. um, both with power and because of loss. Yeah, it's the riddle of steel. Yeah, and then that descent, like, that all feels very, very well done and well paced. I do agree that the end is a bit rushed, but this film was, like, what, two hours and 40 minutes? I don't know if it was even that long. It wasn't wasn't overly long. It's about two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, I guess compared to our other film, it felt (laughs) pretty short, but uh, his sword looks pretty awesome. Yeah. It could be on the side of a van, which is about as good as uh, uh, advertisement for swords, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is the sort of thing that a little kid would be obsessed with. <laughs> so it makes sense that he chooses the path of the blade instead of, you know, good governance. <laughs> <laughs> My big complaint here is Shower Khan. Well, I don't no, think I Shower Khan fine. works. I don't no, know. I, I love Shower Khan, but maybe it's because um, it's hard to see the actor Shower Khan on screen. And, you know, you kind of always see the superstar Shower Khan. I guess, but he's good at being a villain, too. He is. I just, I don't know. I didn't find him completely convincing in this role. I liked how in 2001, to be the main character of a movie where he's basically shirtless for about half of it. Just the courtly <laughs> yeah. dress of his kingdom is very uh, skin-centric. Well, he's, not, he's not like freakishly jacked the way you would be now i I thought that was kind of refreshing yeah i don't disagree with that but i don't know i just whereas i think harina kapoor she was fantastic here yes and something that bothered me about joda akbar which we'll talk about in a second karina kapoor is also portrayed as a warrior princess Mm -hmm. sort of a xena type you know i love a warrior princess yeah and she actually gets to put those skills to use yeah where 
Ashwarya Rai is not given the same privilege. Yeah, and I mean, you can talk about historical accuracy, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're not entirely sure what happened in the 3rd century BCE. Yeah, it was a very and long time ago. It was almost, it was like 1900 years ago. Yeah, and personally, I'm not a fan of always kind of criticizing... 1800 years ago. I just did my math. <laughs> personally, I'm not a big fan of always... Uh, criticizing films that are about history in regards to how accurate they are. Because I think... Obviously, you're not concerned about Padmavad for that reason. Then. Well, n- personally, no. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's based on a poem, which is probably fictional anyways. But that aside, I just think in order to dramatize things, in order to make things entertaining, mm-hmm. you have to take some some liberties. Yep. And so, you know, this princess is probably fictional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nothing I read suggests that she existed. Uh, his wife, his Buddhist wife, who uh, gives birth to Ashok's twins, she did exist. But again, we don't we don't know the the relationships that he necessarily had with all of these people that we see in the film. And so, it wasn't until the last two hundred years or so that any record would have come down. Exactly, especially in regards to women's life. For sure. So, I I don't have an issue, you know, when when films take take liberties with history, as long as it's in service of something. Mm-hmm. And and here, I really think it is. It was for a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a movie that wants to impart um, some, some something deeper. You know, it, mm-hmm. I, I think. You know, again, it, it's counterintuitive to preach nonviolence in a film that is so violent. But I think it works in in kind of an ironic way. It needs to kind of rub your nose in it, I think. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, at the same time, it's still pretty exciting and pretty badass, those battle sequences. I did learn that eventually when I am stabbed with a sword, <laughs> I will reach into my own blood and wipe it on my attacker's <laughs> face just to drive him a little bit more crazy. Yeah. That is the that's the best move you can hope for in that situation. I also really like when someone is fighting a woman and usually a man fighting a woman and she gets kind of like cut above her shoulder. That's like the best place for a woman to get cut in a movie, it seems like, cuz that's what always happens. Then she looks at it and goes and then kills the guy. Classic. And I oh man, I love Prince Kapoor on the battlefield here cuz Kaling does not have um, a doesn't have a standing army. army. Exactly, doesn't have yeah. as big of an army, so all the women have to go to war. And I just, I loved that. Yeah, this movie really worked for me. I, I kind of wasn't sure about it, but the last half, the last half an hour really cinched the deal. Yeah, it could have maybe not taken as long in the first half where they're falling in love and kind of wandering around, and him and Danny Dingzongpa have a kind of brotherly one-upmanship thing. They probably only needed to do that twice. Although I do like the um, continually daring each other to fights, and one of them is who could fight the best blindfolded, and then just Shark just takes his blindfold off because <laughs> this, uh, you know, big dumb guy is too honorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. Also, there will be blood a tragedy, not an epic. That's what I'm deciding. I think that epics are often tragedies. In fact, more often than not, okay. a tragedy. All right. We'll cut that out. What? No, that's good. <laughs> okay. I think it's time for Interval. Yeah. So as mentioned before, we're going to listen to a chunk of Rushni Say from Eshka. And that is the backwards song. So it, while you're hearing the song in forward motion, a lot of the scenes in the video, which you can check in the links, 
are mm-hmm. happening backwards. It's it's pretty cool. And this is the one that I think is, is pretty avant-garde. Yeah, it's well worth checking out even if you don't watch this show. Yeah. On the latest episode of the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed podcast, winter is here and they like it. They embark on an Arctic expedition with Cassandra Pryor, speak with artist Carla Ray Taylor to learn how Paint the Rails is telling Edmonton stories through public art, and they hear about the Deep Freezer races at the Deep Freeze Byzantine Winter Festival. Finally, they speak with Michael Fair about Legacy and a new, new school being opened and named in his honor. For more information on the Well Endowed Podcast and the Edmonton Community Foundation, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. As we discussed at the top of the show, the cinematic epic frequently focuses on great moments in history. While these stories have often had a hand in shaping the world as we know it, it's easy to feel disconnected from such larger-than-life events. For a history that's a bit more grounded and less sensationalized, I turn to Let's Find Out, a podcast about Edmonton history on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. In each episode of Let's Find Out, host and Edmonton's historian laureate, Chris Chang-Yang Phillips, takes questions from curious Edmontonians about local history and then finds out the answer together. You can find Let's Find Out at letsfindoutpodcast.com. To find out more about the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and the member podcasts, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right. So that was a sample from Roshni Seh from Ashok. And Aaron has put together another Biffle cocktail Mm -hmm. in a first for the podcast, two new cocktails. (laughs) Yes. So let's uh, take us through this one. This is a variation on a gin and tonic. So obviously I was going to uh, do something with the gin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, those were my two ideas. I was like, I have an Indian single malt, whiskey, and gin, obviously. Gin and tonic used for India to transmit quinine to British yes. soldiers there. Yes. And this is gin from our hometown. Yes, this is Strathcona Spirits Gin, uh, which is... Uh, distilled about a block away from us. We can almost see it out of our window. It is the smallest distillery in North America, and it's won awards for being an excellent, excellent gin. And it's made out of... Um, Seaberry and stuff, right? That yeah. you find around here. Exactly, yeah. They forage uh, herbs and, and botanicals from the actual area that we live in. Um, so every time I make a drink with this gin, I'm like, oh, it's like tasting our block. Well, I'm going to take a taste right now. Uh, it also has... Uh, a cardamom orange mm. tonic syrup. That's nice. And a mango syrup. So it's a cardamom mango gin and tonic, which you are, I'm sure, know. And I've, I've, um, I've garnished it with a mint sprig and uh, a dried mango. Uh, unfortunately, none of the fresh mango looked good at the store. But otherwise, I would have like stuck a whole spear of fresh mango in it. It's nice. Do you have a name? I mean... Do you need to drink it more and then you'll come up with them? Uh, how about a mango masala? I don't know. It doesn't have a lot of. It doesn't have a. It doesn't have a lot of strong spice mix like a masala. Yeah, it's got the cardamom in there. Hmm. It's mostly cardamom mango. Mm-hmm. Mango Rita's already a thing. Mm-hmm. Gin and tonic. 
You'll come up with something? I'll try. Okay. Yeah. I'll, right. I'll, I'll try while we're talking about our next film. <laughs> Inspiration only strikes once. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Our, uh, our next film is uh, Joda Akbar. It is- I still think a Lassie Fair. Yeah? Yeah. Like Lassie, like let's say fair economy, like let's say fair economics. Yeah. But it's like L A S S I F A. Yeah, like a mega Lassie. Yeah, I think that's a good name for it. But a Lassie usually has like some salt in it. I think you put a little salt in this; it would be good. Actually, salted rim like a margarita. That'd yeah. be very good. Okay. Well, Lassie Fair. That's my name for this one. Okay, we're still developing the cocktails around here, but now we we have a name. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joda Akbar uh, came out in 2008, uh, and it's somewhat a prequel to a film we've uh, discussed on the show before, Megaliasm. It's like episode one in the <laughs> Megaliasm cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, directed by Ashutosh Gowarkar, uh, the director of Lagan and What's Your Rashi and Mohenjo-Daro. <laughs> somewhat less successful epic film. <laughs> it stars... Rithik Roshan, Ashwarya Rai, Sanu Sood, Ila Arun, Poonam Singha, Azam Murad, Pramod Muto, and Niktin Deer. It concerns the romance between Mughal Emperor Jalaluddin Muhammad Akbar and Rajput Princess Jodhapai. Um, as I mentioned, it is somewhat a prequel to Magali Azam. Um, Mughaliasm is about Akbar and Joda's son. You can check out our episode on that if you haven't heard of one of the most famous Bollywood <laughs> films of all time. Um, Akbar reigned from 1556 to 1605, and this is very much about kind of his early years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, kind of uh, some interesting production notes. Uh, the thing that Ashwarya Fry found most difficult about hitting Johara was having to wear the pounds upon pounds of jewelry that she's she pretty, was required to wear. She's pretty blinged out over the course of the film. Um, the set for the two palaces, the interiors, measured um, 16,000 feet long, 600 feet wide, and 68 feet high. It was essentially a seven-floor high-rise. Wow, so they weren't actually shooting... Just for this film. They weren't actually shooting at the Red Fort then. Or the Red Fort's not in that kind of shape. They did... Exteriors? Um, exteriors there, but those are the interiors. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, the battle scenes consisted of 250 stuntmen and 5,000 extras. And the song, Azim O Shan, Shan Shah, was chore- which was choreographed by Prakash, with the help of 12 assistant choreographers, 400 dancers, and 2,000 extras. Unsurprisingly, the portrayal of the Rajput people was uh, criticized at the time, and the film was banned in some states. No way. I'm seeing a similar thing happening with Padmavat. Um, but it was a critical and commercial hit, and it won five Filmfare Awards, including Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Lyricist for Javed Akhtar, and Best Background Score for A.R. Rahman. It was also nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor. Hmm. Um, so the film... The film is about this marriage of political alliance. Mm-hmm. So, Rithik Roshan plays Akbar. He's the Mughal Empire, and he's kind of trying to expand expand his empire under kind of the idea of wanting to unite India. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of he's the first Mughal emperor actually born in Hindustan, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So it's actually his country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's not. He doesn't think of himself as an occupier. 
And the Mughals, the Mughals were, were Muslim, of course. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of the Rajput kingdoms are, are somewhat against this, but eventually... They're warrior clans, right? They don't, yeah. want to, they don't want to play ball. But eventually, Joda's father kind of sees an opportunity to form an alliance by marrying his daughter to the emperor mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, saving his empire in the process, like saving his kingdom in the process. If he can form this alliance, then he can guarantee that then they join, that they're part of the Mughal Empire, which seems inevitable, but, you know, it saves him a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. Joda is, you know, obviously resistant to this, partly because she is Hindu. She's very Hindu. And doesn't want to go marry a Muslim. Yeah. Uh, especially a Muslim man she's never met. Uh, but being a good daughter, she goes along with it. And surprisingly, Akbar agrees to her conditions. And she has two of them. One, that she does not have to convert to the Muslim faith. Mm-hmm. And two, that she gets a temple um, where she can pray. Yeah. He to Krishna, to like a little Krishna shrine. Yeah. He agrees to this, and it's somewhat surprising because, you know, again, it's, it's a Muslim palace. And his advisors are less than enthused by this entrance into the agro mm-hmm. fort. Especially Akbar's wet nurse who kind of sets about trying to sabotage the relationship. Yeah, not his actual mother, but whoever, like, she looked after him for most of his life because his mother mm-hmm. was off doing diplomatic things, I guess. So the film is primarily focused on the romance between Akbar and Joda, which happens mostly after they are married and kind of this long courtship that's full of misunderstandings where the wet nurse kind of sets Joda up and then she ends up back at her parents' place and then we could call this Akbar. A, we could call this a Mughal e as yum. <laughs> sure. How's that? Is, that? is that better than my last name? Akbar has to go kind of apologize to her and you know eventually they they do fall in love and we kind of get a a song sequence that that, you know kind of stands in for them consummating their marriage but behind the scenes uh akbar's position as emperor is being threatened and he kind of has to take down his his brother-in-law his brother-in-law yeah. um and it also goes to war so you can get those big epic battle scenes and it culminates in kind of him uh preaching religious tolerance mm-hmm. um so he he embraces kind of the hindu side of his wife and kind of tries to bring the two religions together yeah he basically after going undercover in the bazaar at Agra, uh, mm-hmm. learns that uh, there's there's a two-tier system for people in his empire that he didn't even really know about. Mm-hmm. So he realizes that he needs to promote religious equality by letting some taxes go. Mm-hmm. So everyone gets happy after that. And there's never a problem in the Mughal <laughs> Empire ever again. This is a long film. It's over three hours. I'm really happy with Mughal e as yum. <laughs> right? Sure. It's over three hours, and I don't really think it needs to be this long. No, the courtship between Joda and um, Jalaluddin is extended maybe <laughs> too much. Mm-hmm. I think the... It takes an hour just to get to the wedding. Yeah, and it does set up a lot of side characters that don't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, her brother, played by Sonu Sood, who is uncannily looking like Amitabh Bachchan in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's, it's, 
a dead ringer. At one point, I thought, like, is that Abhishek Bachchan? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, 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 not at all. But he just looks so much like Amitabh Bachchan. Yeah, it's crazy. But there's a lot of business about him trying to work with uh, um, Jalal Adin's uh, brother-in-law. And I think he probably could have trimmed some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find any of the political intrigue here interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have all these all this background of these kind of political machinations. And I understand you need to understand some of it uh, in order to get to this this marriage, which is which is an alliance. It's, it's politically motivated. But then kind of all the other stuff happening, you know, I, I just feel like the the film was really unfocused. I do think the romance is really strong. I think Ashwarya Rai and Rithik Roshan do have excellent chemistry. Mm-hmm. And there's this really tantalizing scene where Shreya Rai is kind of looking around a curtain and, and watching oh, Rithik's, Rithik's doing his... He's not Akbar yet. Well, he's Jalaluddin, but he's doing his like sword exercises and he's very muscly. Exactly. And it's just kind of, you know, she's she's starting to kind of swoon <laughs> for him. And you know, this super rich guy that lets me live in his palace and hasn't... <laughs> really inflicted any problems on me. He's actually kind of nice. And he's super hot, too. And those scenes, I think, are really... like th- Those kind of intimate scenes, I think, are really well done. Mm-hmm. Whereas the big spectacle stuff, I just kind of found myself tuning out of. There's also a great scene where Ashwarya Rai and Rithik Roshan sword fight. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. That was so much fun. It has so much energy, so much liveliness. And it's, again, like... I mean, that's... That's what romance is. It's kind of a, a sparring between yeah. um, the two. I mean, I'd say a man and a woman, but obviously you could have a woman and a woman or a man and a man. But it's a spar between, you know, the two romantic partners. And we want to see them bounce off each other. Exactly. We want sparks to fly with swords hitting each other. Exactly. But all the kind of bigger stuff, I don't know. It was a little disappointing that um, Ashwarya doesn't actually get to go fight anybody no. with her skills the same way Karina Kapoor does. I mean, she fights... Her husband, and this is a scene rich with meaning, it's nice, but she doesn't actually get to, say, stab anybody during the fight, because the the climax of the film kind of turns into a mano y mano thing, rather than a big battle, which I think is really interesting, and if it's what actually happened, then, you know, you can't, you can't really change that, but... Well, this film was also criticized for its historical accuracy, I mean... Again, all these films have to take somewhat liber- have to take liberties. Yeah. In the opening um, titles, we're told you know like some refer to her as Joda, some refer to her as Joda Bai. She has multiple names. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was married to Akbar's son. Maybe she was married to Akbar. We just don't really know. It was a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. And records are hard to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, Spectacle wise, I thought it was really cool. It's you know, you don't really get a sense of what has driven uh, Jalaluddin into becoming this man. He often says that he was forged on the battlefield, but the battle scenes we see him in, he is giving mercy to the uh, commanders. Mm. So you don't actually see his tutelage in having to become this, um, you know, this conquering machine. You do see him drop a... someone off a balcony a couple times. Well, and <laughs> that's another kind of thread that... It, is kind of left off is that uh, someone comes in and assassinates his buddy who's also the prime minister of the Mughal Empire mm-hmm. and he's roundly pissed off about this which understandable and his punishment is decreed to just kick him off the side of the uh, palace 
And after he doesn't die the first time, they do it again. And I think we're supposed to take this as Joda finds this somewhat barbaric, but this doesn't really go anywhere apart from you know, forwarding the story of uh, the rebellion against him. Mm-hmm. And by this point in the movie, she's already seen that you know most of the people there are all right. The wet nurse is kind of a bitch, but like everyone else is civilized, right? And the best had that happened earlier, then we would be like, oh, is he kind of barbaric? It's tough to tell. And this is what I've heard from Padmavat as well: is that the the Muslim character mm-hmm. in that one, played by Ranveer Singh, is definitely shown as being more of a barbarian type. Yeah, and a lot of people are pissed off by this. Yeah. I find it really interesting that kind of the best character or the most fully developed character in uh, Joda's kind of, um, it's not quite a harem, what is it? It would be her ladies-in-waiting, I yeah, guess. Yeah, her ladies-in-waiting. Her best lady-in-waiting is a, is a eunuch and yeah. is, a, is a man, yeah. a, a transvestite or transgender man. Yeah. yeah he That's w- great. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed her character. Me too. We would probably call her her now. I would say, depending on her gender yeah, designation they, that she's picked for herself. I think they would have called her her back then, too. I mean, because she's invited into the private spaces yeah. um, that the women occupy. Yeah, it's, you know, nomenclature aside, you know, good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I loved her. Yeah, so I just, I don't know. I, I know people have been excited that we were finally going to talk about this film. And I hate that, you know, kind of my conclusion is somewhat like, meh. Like, I liked it more than I disliked it, the, but the maybe pr- because it was so hyped up, I just felt like, man, this is really long, and I just didn't always feel like it was going anywhere. I quite enjoyed the um, the dance scene presentation to Akbar once he gets his title for having helped out the Hindu people. Yeah. That's Azim Oshan Shanja. Yeah, where the different provinces that he's conquered slash kind of brought into the empire they all present their mm-hmm. specific dance styles and then later on someone tries to kill him um that was pretty cool um i also watching this after having watched mughaliasm we watched the colorized mughaliasm and yeah. i kind of wish that we'd watched the black and white one because there's a real difference between how those costumes which look amazing mm-hmm. by the way in between both films it's the same sort of dress mm-hmm not so much the Rajput stuff, but uh, definitely the Mughal fashion of the time. You do get a sense of that, too. The pearl budget on this movie must have been insane. <laughs> but seeing that in more of a naturalistic sense in a modern-day film versus mm-hmm. what they were trying to do with the colorized version was a bit of a disconnect. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I, I liked it, though. I, I, I mean, I think I would watch a show again because it's shorter and... Has a stronger narrative through line, but the romance between Joda and uh, Jalaluddin is, you know, enjoyable. Well, I just think there's really interesting filmmaking in Ashok that I just, Gowarkar, this feels a bit more by the book. And I, I, I don't know, maybe just didn't have the emotional payoff that I feel like Lagan has. Yeah. Well, Lagan is about the underclass where everyone in this movie. All the main characters released are super wealthy, mm-hmm. come from privilege, and, you know, it's like playing Crusader Kings too. <laughs> oh, okay. So Matt warned me before we started recording this episode that he was going to make a lot of references to these video games that he likes, and this is the first time you're making one. Well, I mean, this this is the sort of thing that would happen in a game like that, which is a grand strategy game, and you're you know watching mm-hmm. a dynasty as it uh, runs a country. You can you could play as all of the dynasties in that game if you want to. Yeah. Um, but it's 
it's kind of the the goings on of the rich and uh, powerful. Mm. Whereas Lagan is obviously you have a more gut response to it because they're just poor farmers and they they don't want to have double Lagan. Are you crazy? <laughs> and and they're playing cricket, which is inherently macho. Yeah, there's there's a reference to taxes. There, there's a lot of references to taxes in this film, and every time they said it, I went. Lagan, double Lagan. Yeah, and I said, Aaron, you would be a terrible ruler because you'd be constantly calling for double Lagan. No, no double Lagan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of the drama of Ashok is that uh, Kormaki and her brother are among the downtrodden for the most of it, mm-hmm. and you're seeing a ruler going crazy and killing people and acting untoward, whereas most of the things that Jalaluddin does. You know, his honor is offended, but he's generally a good guy. Yeah. And he's just kind of running his country and yeah, doing a good like job. Yeah, that whole scene when he goes to the the market or the bazaar to, like, find out, you know, the issues of the common that people. That was funny. It is funny. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, you have a very similar scene in the recent Academy Award-nominated uh, Darkest Hour with Churchill. Like, it's- Churchill goes undercover to a bazaar as well? No, he goes undercover on a train. Well, oh. he says he's Churchill, and everyone tells them their issues. Mm. Um, but it's just, I think it's such a cliched scene. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, I, I question, I question the need for scenes like that. Like, I understand that it then upset him, kind of getting rid of the tax that Hindus have to pay when they go on pilgrimage, and that has to be explained. But like, it's just, it's so hokey. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know what it reminded me of? Aladdin. No. Oh. It reminded me of that like Funny or Die video. Where Adam Driver plays Kylo Ren doing undercover boss. Yeah. And so he goes undercover with, like, you know, the people in the Death Star, whatever they... The Starkiller base. Starkiller base, thank you. Uh, And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what do you think of that Kylo Ren? And then, like, (laughs) he gets upset when people don't like Kylo Ren. Yeah. Like, Rithik Rishabh was doing the exact same thing. Like, what do you mean you don't like the Mughal Mughal Empire? What, what, the Mughal Empire uh, Empire is full of capable administrators. Is there no possible way? (laughs) Yeah, that was, I don't know, that was kind of silly. Like, I just, I feel like this film, uh, its focus was, was off. Or it just really needed to kind of figure out what it wanted to focus on and it has all of these parts that I think are kind of moving at different paces. I I feel like the rhythm of this film is really off and also if you're going to be over three hours, if you're going to be like three and a half hours, I want more than three songs. Yeah, the song to minute ratio was off and And again having the best dancer in Bollywood not actually move a step over the course of the film it's you know potentially beneath his rank, maybe. But there could be a dream sequence. There could be anything. It's a movie. It's magic. Yeah, I just I want more than three songs. I I don't feel like that's too much to ask. Especially, it's hard not to compare this film to Magaliasa. Mm-hmm. And the the song sequences in Magaliasa are amazing. And they're not all dance sequences. Like you have the whole song when they're getting ready to. Um, murder by cannon, uh, execution by cannon. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I just or you the know, song about the two different halves of the families uh, singing about how how much heartbreak they have. Yeah, I like, mean, no one's dancing in that one, but it's it's a fun scene. I feel like you could have explained some of the, like the political machinations uh, really quickly with some like exposition, or you just could have like simplified them and you know given us. More spectacle. And, I mean, mm-hmm. this film is not short on spectacle. It's- no, there's a great battle at the beginning 
where we learn that uh, Jalaluddin is a capable ruler, but also he is less interested in conquering, and mm-hmm. he wants to win hearts and minds. And then at the end, there's a pretty sweet one-on-one fight, mm-hmm. which reminded me a lot of Gladiator, actually. Yeah. Um, more so than Ashok. Um, a funny thing about those fights um, is that the first, like, 250 people that you see are stuntmen, and the other, like, five, five I think it's 5,000. Um, people are all like villagers, and they were getting really tired standing in the hot sun in those costumes. Well, the, <laughs> and so the bad like, guys' army is dressed all in black too, so yeah, yeah they're probably getting pretty warm. And, like extras wouldn't show up for the the second day because you know it was such grueling work. Still, I would prefer that to CGI though. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good way to to kind of get around it. So he has like the 250 stunt men um, kind of positioned so that you see them, and then everyone else is just kind of like in the background and so you can't see how absolutely exhausted they are. I mean, this movie probably could have been split in two. It could have been a a film about, you know, the culture clash between yeah. the Rajputs and the Mughal Empire and eventually how Joda comes to appreciate her husband and how he's trying to give her a bone, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's a decent guy. He's He's got a tough job. And then the second one could be... Am I describing Bahubali here? Because the second one <laughs> is the big conflict between what's well, yeah, between and, all the all the players. And like, what is it? The last half an hour, Joda really doesn't have anything to do because it just becomes no. She dead. rides in and oh, brother's dead. Whoops. Yeah, it just becomes about the conflict, and mm-hmm. so her kind of part of the story really fades into the background. And she doesn't even get to kill anybody. No. You know, I, I will say, I really liked the costuming in this film. The costumes are amazing, but I also really liked how everyone was really color-coded. Yeah. So, the rash pits are always wearing orange and yellow and red, like those very kind of rich colors. And obviously, orange is, is, is Hindu. Mm-hmm. And then... The Mughals are all in more kind of like brown and beige. Pastels and green as well. And green, exactly, because green is, you know, a uh, a Muslim color. And and so kind of when you get to the to the finale and you see Ashraya Ra, you see Joda in green for the first time, that had a huge impact to me. Yeah, yeah, the like, co- yeah the the costume design was telling a story on too. Yeah, I loved that. I really, you know, I really thought like, oh yeah, like this this is working in layers. Except there's a bunch of other stuff that isn't working for me personally. Yeah. There's there's a there's a good amount of uh, camels and elephants and horses. I, I I think I appreciated both of these about the same. Yeah. Um, it's. I like epic films. Mm-hmm. I'm known to just sit down one morning and watch three hours of a crazy movie while you're still asleep. Um, okay. We need to explain. On Saturdays and Sundays, Matt gets up at like 7. I don't want to get help, up that I long. can't help it. <laughs> I get up at 9. And I'll watch, I'll watch films <laughs> that you have no interest in. Yeah, that's true. I'll watch samurai movies. I watched In the Realm of the Senses on a Sunday morning, which... <laughs> Um, if you want to think of the opposite of going to church, I think it's watching that movie because holy cow. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that that's quite a, a jaunt. But I, I find that I'm able to focus more on a long, complicated movie early in the morning. Yeah. Whereas you're more of an evening person. Uh, kind of. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, you and I are both morning people. <laughs> yeah. but I turn into a pumpkin at 10. Yeah. I, I, I quite enjoy an epic film. Yeah. I like submerging myself into... 
the the world. Mm-hmm. And when there's a lot of visual spectacle on display, either if it's done through interesting cinematography and directorial flourishes or costuming and throwing everything at the screen yeah. in Joda Akbar. Um, yeah. And maybe my expectations were just too high, you know. It's definitely been hyped up quite a bit. Yeah, there, and there were a number of people who really wanted us to talk about this film, and so I, I, I hope we're not disappointing. I think I like um, Bajra Amistani better than both of them. Yeah, me too. Even though the CGI in that is pretty atrocious at times, and I'd prefer if there was just people. I mean, the only perfect one here is Magaliasm. Yeah. Like, that's... They're trying to. None everyone's, of these films are as good as Megaliazer, but everyone's trying to replicate that classic story. Exactly, and, and you know, I don't mean that to be kind of faint praise. I think that film stands out. I mean, there for hasn't a reason. there hasn't been a civil war movie to replicate the success of Gone with the Wind. No, so I think sometimes an epic movie just puts its stamp on a conflict or a time yeah. period. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I don't think directors shouldn't try. And I don't think that either of these films are failures. I think they're both successes. Mm -hmm. I just personally, you know, didn't enjoy my experience with Joda Akbar as much as I was expecting to. I kind of found myself tuning out for for stretches of the film. Yeah. But that central romance between between Joda and Akbar, between Ashraya Rai and Vithik Roshak, I think is very, very strong. Yeah. Well, I think these uh, Mughal as yums are hitting us, our (laughs) heads right now. So we should probably sign off. Okay. Uh, yes, so <laughs> we will be back in a week to discuss uh, Padma Bat. We're going to put out a short supplemental episode um, where we're just going to talk about how the film's doing, the general reaction to it, and also kind of what, what we think about it. Yeah, there's been quite a lot of uh, critical writing about it, so it'll be interesting to synthesize that. I've read a lot of it going into it, but I, you know, once I see the movie, I'll be actually I'll actually be able to understand what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can find us on Tumblr at bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just look up Bollywood is for Lovers. You can find us on Twitter. Look up at Bollywood Pod. You can find me there, too. I'm at, Mon- <laughs> I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. If you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a rating and review. Especially in India. ITunes. Yeah, if you saw us on the new and noteworthy, you know, maybe, you know... <laughs> Help us out a little. Yeah. Uh, also, while you're over at iTunes, please go uh, subscribe to my other show that I do weekly with Paul Matwichuk. Uh, we just did an episode on figure skating movies on I, Tanya, and The Cutting Edge. Yeah, that show's called Trash Art in the Movies. What did I say? Nothing. <laughs> uh, and we have an episode coming up on Spice World and The Beatles' Help. This was going to be a heartbreaker, folks, so <laughs> tune into that one because one person likes the Spice Girls a lot more than the other. <laughs> Guess who it is. Yeah. Uh, you can also listen to selected episodes of the show on G Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also on Audio Boom and uh, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, all kinds of things, all kinds of podcasts, CastBox, whatever you want. We're on it. <laughs> Uh, We'll be back in a week. Yeah, thank you for listening.